Here's something I learned recently from an audio book I began listening to this past week entitled The Grown-Up Guide to Dinosaurs. <laughs> Stegosaurus was already a fossil by the time Tyrannosaurus rex roamed the earth. And T-Rex is actually closer in time to us, humans, than it is to Stegosaurus. Tyrannosaurus rex is closer in time to us than to Stegosaurus. Um, yeah, fascinating, you might be thinking. But why bring this up in a sermon? Has Rod had one too many Sundays out of the pulpit? <laughs> okay, for me, this just reminds me of my very skewed sense of time and my limited understanding of history, and in this case, prehistory. I'd imagined the dinosaurs all stamping through the underbrush together in a prescribed period of time and disappearing altogether. It reminds me of the ways I can conflate and condense and confuse the actual reality of what has occurred and is occurring over time. For instance, in popular culture, to be called a dinosaur, is to say that one is hopelessly out of step with contemporary culture, technology, and lifestyles. Dinosaurs, after all, failed to survive through the changes thrust upon them. <laughs> Excuse me. This same audiobook informed me that dinosaurs dominated terrestrial ecosystems for 170 million years. Every animal living on land larger than a meter in size was a dinosaur. They occupied every ecological niche, burrowing, flying, climbing trees, huge ones, small ones, in-between ones. Let me restate 170 million years. Humans, hominids have what? Six million, eight million tops. Suffice to say, we have yet to show that we have anywhere near the staying power of dinosaurs and our prospects are currently looking a little grim. However, my intention today is not to leave you with a grim outlook for the survival of our species and or a renewed appreciation of dinosaurs, although they are awesome creatures indeed. My point is that I bring that same tendency to conflate, condense, and confuse myself when it comes to thinking about human history. I sometimes wonder, for example, what it must have felt like to live in times of momentous change. The birth of a nation, the fall of an empire, the dawning of one age, or the dimming of another as if a living person at the appropriate date and time as supplied by well-meaning historians had been able to say, well, looks like this is the end of the Roman Empire. <laughs> or how nice to be here at the birth of the Enlightenment. 
as if people can examine the waves of change as they happen rather than just trying to stay afloat, to rescue others from the turbulent waters when we can, and to patch our own boats as they are sailing or sinking. For instance, I read the words of our call to worship by Thomas Merton. We are living in the greatest moment in history, a huge spontaneous upheaval of the entire human race, not a revolution planned and carried out by any particular party, race, or nation, but a deep elemental boiling over of all the inner contradictions that have ever been, a revelation of the chaotic forces inside everybody. This is not something we have chosen, nor is it something we are free to avoid. And I think, well, that must have been what it felt like, Tom, but this was written somewhere around 1966, and the promise of that was never quite actualized. And it sounds like it may relate more to our present time rather than Merton's time, at least when he talks about a deep elemental boiling over of all the inner contradictions that have ever been, a revelation of the chaotic forces inside everybody, more descriptive of our present time as if those were two different times today and the day he wrote that in 1966 or thereabouts, as if that could not have been true when he said it, and that it had obviously already been happening for him to notice it, and that it could not still be true today, still be happening, still be real, that this is what living through this kind of change feels like. It doesn't happen in a moment or in a day or in a week or in a year or in a tidy and artificially truncated period of time. What if we are in the midst of forming and being formed by and reforming and being reformed by the shape of things to come right here, right now? And as I was browsing through Notes of a Native Son by James Baldwin, there was a part of me thinking, I really should take something from a more contemporary work. This was written all the way back in 1955, after all, more than 60 years ago. Geez, there were probably dinosaurs roaming the earth. (laughs) But then I run across this. The people who think of themselves as white have the choice of becoming human or irrelevant. Or as they are indeed already in all but actual fact obsolete. For if trouble don't last always, as the preacher tells us, neither does power. And it is on the fact or the hope or the myth of power that that identity which calls itself white has always seemed to depend. I have encountered no better description of where we find ourselves and where we found ourselves in 1955 and before it's just becoming ever clearer. No better description of what it actually means to dismantle white supremacy. For those of us who think of ourselves as white to become human, not that we aren't human as individuals, but who in the world could look at our history and our institutions and the atrocities that are being carried out both officially and covertly in our name and call them human? 
Call them humane. And here's the thing. Here's the choice that Baldwin so clearly lays down. The choice is to become human or to become irrelevant. That is what those who most explicitly and unashamedly pursue the aims of white supremacy through violence and terror and oppressive policies and discriminatory practices underneath it all That is what they are feeling, not that immigrants and people of color are invading the white empire, but that their whiteness is quickly becoming irrelevant. The times they are a changing, and that offers opportunity. For we who think of ourselves as white, we can become human, doing what we can to form and reform institutions and practices and politics to reflect what it means to be human. Two, in the words of the second of six sources of our living tradition of Unitarian Universalism, to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. Or, we can heartlessly, mindlessly, soullessly defend the fact or the hope or the myth of power on which that identity, which calls itself white, has always seemed to depend. As his environment changed, suspect in El Paso shooting learned to hate, reads the Washington Post headline of August 7th. He, quote, watched the sprawling north suburbs of Dallas where he grew up dramatically change over the course of his short life. The number of Hispanic residents soared while the non-Hispanic white population plummeted from nearly 80% to just more than half. Authorities think the shooter, 21 years old, closely noted the shift and spent countless hours on the Internet studying the white supremacist theory known as, quote, the Great Replacement, unquote. And he posted a statement online saying that he wanted to stop, quote, the Hispanic invasion of Texas, unquote. We could more easily appreciate the irony of such a statement if his choices had not been so brutal and devastating. But doesn't that speak to exactly what Baldwin is talking about? The great replacement, the Hispanic invasion, the loss of perceived power, If trouble don't last always, neither does power. But there are other ways to relate to the world. As a human being, among other human beings. How can I not think of Baldwin all the way back in 1955 writing, I imagine that one of the reasons people cling to their hate so stubbornly is because they sense once hate is gone, that they will be forced to deal with pain. And pain that is not transformed, writes Franciscan friar Richard Rohr, pain that is not transformed is transmitted. And that may be as true for nations as for individuals. There is pain at the heart of the American story 
We can face it and become human or continue to deny it, flailing about dangerously and destructively to hold on to the fact or the hope or the myth of power in a desperate attempt to be great again. But whatever we choose, change is coming. Come gather round, people, wherever you roam, and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. For the times, they are a-changing. I remember when I first heard that song. My brother had purchased the album with a young, serious-looking Bob Dylan on the cover, and I was captivated by the many images that piled on top of one another and the rhyming verses that lodged in my head, and it made me feel like just maybe I could be part of something important. There are some great lines, right? Come mothers and fathers throughout the land, and don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. What kid wouldn't be drawn to that? (laughs) I didn't have any particular problem with my parents, but it made me think that maybe just being young, I might have information and direction that was not available to older generations. Don't criticize what you can't understand. Even as I grew into adulthood, when I heard this verse, I imagined, of course, that I was the one misunderstood rather than the one who was misunderstanding. These days, in the midst of changing times, having been a parent for many years, growing older, and most especially in engaging the challenging work of our congregation, our association, and our nation in dismantling white supremacy, I note the tendency in myself to want to not so much criticize but deny what I can't understand. I am aware of the desire to first understand how words or actions cause harm rather than to simply trust the people who are telling me that harm is caused. Come senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway. Don't block up the hall. I especially like this verse, too, as I could lay it on the senators and congressmen. But lately, in the midst of changing times, considering that politics is personal and attempting to be accountable for my part in the systems that persist, I wonder how often I have been the one standing in the doorway. And blocking the hall. But the great promise of this song, released all the way back there in 1964, is that it affirms that things will change. Dylan didn't write, good people, please come, organize for the cause, define your positions and pass the right laws. You must be attentive and not take a pause, for the world is ripe for the saving But remember that if you do anything wrong, that the times won't be a change. He didn't write that. I did. (laughs) He said change is coming, ready or not. 
And I can look back all the way back to 1964 and say he didn't get that exactly right. Things didn't change as expected, but that's taking that very skewed and myopic vision of time. What if the times were a-changing and have been a-changing and are a-changing? What if this is what living through this kind of change feels like with all of the brutal backlash? What if the question for me is not how to make things change, but how to stop getting in the way? How to stop fighting against it, chasing the fact or the hope or the myth of power upon which that identity which calls itself white has always seemed to depend? What if for everyone our only task is to become human? As we learn more and more about what that means, unearthing assumptions and habits, knowing ourselves as vulnerable and wanting and hurting for love and for beauty, dealing with pain rather than hiding it or denying it or burying it under apathy or cynicism, finding our place. And everyone will have a place in this world that beckons, but it may not be the same place we have been. Finding our place as the world is formed and reformed. Letting our children save us from the power we embody. Trusting the very difference that they forever personify. Not criticizing what we don't or can't understand. Finding our place as we are formed and reformed by the shape of things to come.